We obey them, Ackroyd. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Guys, A Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast. My name is Andy. Along with me are my two wonderful co-hosts, Kelsey and Ryan. Guys, how are you doing today? What up? Hey. And uh, the good news for you guys is we've got a ton of good news. We've got a whole bunch of casting rumors for all sides of the comic spectrum, uh, even some stuff outside of the comic spectrum, technically. <laughs> uh, we also have some confirmed casting that is all kinds of wonderful. We've got a brand new trailer for a new comic book reboot, I guess is what we would call it. And we've got some wonderful things going on when it comes to Funko and a particular product aimed at something that nerds really like. And then we have a fantastic Kickstarter that we just cannot be uh, more excited about. So um, to get right into the top of that, uh, the first thing in the rumored casting sphere is Daniel Bruhl as Baron Zemo, which is something that uh, we talked about in the past. And this has now been confirmed. Yes, uh, he is, uh, they released the full, like, cast and crew list for the third Captain America movie, and Daniel Brühl's name appears on it, and it looks like he's going to be playing Baron Zemo, so I don't know about you guys, but I'm looking forward to him having a purple sock on his head. Yes, and being really, 100%. really menacing. Like, if they somehow give us it. Baron Zemo without the purple sock, I'm going to be really disappointed. What does he even look like without a purple sock? He's just like a dude with a fucked up face, which is like half of Captain America's villains, anyways. That's true. <laughs> like it's he's kind of just Captain a red skull yeah. without oh. red. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. I, I just it. love that his name is Helmet, and I know it's like a traditional German name or whatever, but the dude's name is Helmet Zemo. <laughs> Like I and I know also they try to you know like Hawkeye's not wearing a full purple suit um, in the movies and you know they try to make it a little more realistic but I want the full purple sock and the white spotted leopard shoulder pads. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's what the I shoulder want. pads. Like I feel like Baron Zemo and Cobra Commander have a very similar stylist and uh, I don't have a problem with it. I oh I wish we live in a world where they just went to the same stylist like that was a thing. <laughs> I think the, the modern Cobra Commander is no longer there, but uh, I guess just like Zemo shows up to get his costume and he's like, "No, this is too much like the Cobra Commander." And he just gets all pissed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like he's like made a, a hard right from that terrible direction of dictator fashion that uh, Cobra Commander has made. God, I mean, I, I did a quick Google search, and, like, there are no pictures of this dude without his master's one, and he's just got – his face is all fucked up. Yeah. Because, I mean, his backstory is – I'm pretty sure it's pretty much that got glued to his face. Mm, and I'm I'm pretty sure it was, like, yeah. Super 40s, and it's something called, like, Chemical X was uh what the, was the adhesive that glued that to him. Isn't that like a isn't that like a Simpsons episode when like someone gets something glued to their face and they have to use like the the you know like releasing agent to get it off? I, sw- I swear to God, I feel like that's a thing. someone ask Cameron. Okay. <laughs> You'll know. He's been um, like helping me with homework all day, so I'll just text him right now. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. exciting though. I'm glad because Captain America is kind of like one of those guys. He's kind of like Daredevil. Um, and even Iron Man to an extent, they don't have the rogues gallery isn't fantastic. 
Yep, you're totally right, my man. Adhesive X, an extremely yes! strong <laughs> adhesive that could not be dissolved or removed by any known process at the time. Oh, uh, man. It was only after the war that the adhesive-using villain, Paste Pot <clears throat> Pete, found a way to neutralize it. Oh, I don't know God. if I'm stoked or bummed that I knew that. <laughs> you should be a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, I feel like, you know, it's like the 50s, right? Like like the 40s and 50s. So, like, you know, name it X. That sounds like a great idea. I don't know. I bet. Yeah. That was probably Stan Lee's idea somehow. No, he was well, before Paint Stan Pot Lee. Pete definitely was. Like, yeah, Pace Pot <laughs> Pete for sure. Oh, my goodness. He was also Because he was also in the Frightful Four. Yep, there you go. Uh, We're doubling up on that alliteration the, the, today. The frightful, fearful, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Whichever one. I'm excited, though, like I said, because, uh, well, I'm actually, I would like to see Red Skull come back because I thought Hugo Weaving was totally, like, underutilized and awesome in that movie. Yeah, I feel um, like there's always a possibility that he could come back, right? He's the fucking Red Skull. Yeah, but to have Baron Zemo, it's better than having, like, Baron Blood. Having some vampire Nazi show up out of nowhere. Yeah. And um, well, don't I, I say thought... that too loud, man. Someone might hear. They might be like, what vampires? I think those are selling pretty good. <laughs> they, I, they did a good job with Zola, which is hard because that character is so dumb. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot of depth in the 40s Captain America villains. They weren't really worried about them getting no. their time in the sun. In that note, I would absolutely love any comic creator that's out there. I would love for someone to do like an in-depth story on the background of some like c-list villain the kind of the way that we got uh you know uh, superior foes like i don't know i'd be down to read just about a comic just about any villain like oh <laughs> send it my way send it to andy yep. just andy though the rest of us don't want to read anything about yeah, just, like email it to the nope. show uh two guys and a girl talk comics at gmail and then you know I'll read it, and the, they won't. I like that you had to add the at Gmail like it's going to happen. Like someone's <laughs> listening, and they're like, he didn't say. He didn't save the domain. Well, I don't just, know. You know, just in case. I'm just just in case. You know? He's covering his bases. I, I sent mean, it to Yahoo. I could be really, I could be really <laughs> tricky and like tell them that there's a bunch of like periods in the middle of my name and stuff. But, you know, the cool thing is in Gmail, periods don't matter. So That's true. In other wonderfully confirmed casting news, uh, David Tennant of uh, Doctor Who fame. I think he was in that show for a little while. He uh, has been cast. Yes? <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to see if I could get Kelsey to like psychically punch me through the Skype call. That's exactly why that took so long for me to respond. Because I'm like, he's kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, David Tennant, of course, everyone knows him most famously as uh, the Tenth Doctor in Doctor mm-hmm. Who. He's has been cast in. Uh, A.K.A. Jessica Jones, the Netflix series that has cast Kristen Ritter, I believe it is, as uh, as, yeah, as the titular character. Yeah, that sounds right. Yes, uh, and David Tennant is the fourth of the uh, confirmed stars for the show. Um, we've got Kristen Ritter. Looks like we've got some other people confirmed on the show. Well, Luke but... Cage has got to show up, I would imagine. Yeah, I think they're kind of holding that back. I mean, if they directly follow the arc of the story, I mean, you know, she knows Luke from her time being a superhero, but she's not necessarily super up close and personal with Luke all the right. way from the beginning of the comic. Uh, I, I mentioned four people, and yes, David Tennant is uh, cast as Jebediah Kilgrave, 
um, also known as the Purple Man. Uh, Kristen Ritter will be starring as uh, Jessica Jones. Mike Coulter will be Luke Cage. And uh, the fourth name, which I said but didn't actually say, is actually uh, Patsy Walker, also known as Hellcat, uh, who will be portrayed as uh, portrayed by excuse me uh, Rachel Taylor, who uh, most famously was on uh, Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. And, oh, uh, dude, yes, she was in Transformers and Man Thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is correct. Yes, that's so, a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh man, that's bad. But I mean, I'm glad. But she was pretty okay in Grey's Anatomy for like the three episodes or something that she pretended to be an OBGYN who just wanted to have sex. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's like the one girly show I don't watch. So I don't know. Um, How dare you? It's back on tonight. <laughs> I definitely saw Man Thing for, for some goddamn reason, and that was bad. I don't remember anything about it, but I'm sure she'll be fine. Well, I mean, here's um, the thing. Okay, so so read this quote. Rachel's ability to embody a character that must balance both the darker and lighter elements of our series will provide a perfect emotional anchor for Jessica Jones. Rachel blew us away with her grounded, humanizing take on Trish, adding yet another layer to the complex, emotional story we're telling with this series. That's executive producer slash head of television, Jeff Loeb. Jeff Loeb, I don't really trust him. Um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see that what was yeah. like the slimiest, milk toast edited statement that I think I've <laughs> ever read about a like, person's I imagine him like getting that like email to him from PR like three and a half minutes like, before on the he phone reading it. it directly from an email. <laughs> yeah, she That's hasn't. So weird. Um, they haven't said though. The interesting thing about announcing her is they haven't said if she's going to do anything as Hellcat. Like she might be in the show just as. Patsy um, Walker. Because Walker. Yeah. when um, Patsy like, Walker was actually introduced in like the '40s in one of those comics that yeah. was like um like models hanging out, you know. Yep. Um, and then <laughs> they like decided, a lady. yeah, and then they decided to like turn her into a hero in like the '70s when they were kind of like taking older characters from their rosters and rebooting them. So it'll be interesting. I'm stoked to, for Tenant though. He's a fantastic actor and uh, Kilgrave. It's a dumb character overall, but <laughs> bested it's, once I mean, again by Doom, everybody. Just so you all know, okay? He's the best villain. I'm just saying. Sorry, go ahead. Um, <laughs> he's called the Purple Man. Yeah. Who's ever intimidated by that? Um, I mean, well, you're not intimidated. I guess you're just obedient when you encounter the Purple Man. Yeah, I think he's normally a Daredevil villain. He's kind of crossed over into all of the like older Hell's Kitchen heroes. Like he's shown up in like Iron Fist and like Heroes for Hire and stuff as well, I believe. Yeah, he he in the Alias series, he got really dark. So as long as they keep with that, it will it it will be fine. Just Zebediah Kilgrave, who named this guy? Who made you? Um, creator Stanley and Stanley. God damn it! Who's fucking surprised? Zebediah Kilgrave. Oh man, either like because his first appearance is the sixties, but in like Stanley's era of writing comics, or He Who Must Not Be Named's era of writing comics, like naming characters must be. It must have been the most fun job in the world. (laughs) We're gonna name a character Rainfire, but Rain is spelled R E I G N. No, no, everything's spelled with a Y. Any vowel is just replaced with Y's. 
It's a good rule of thumb, man. It gets you through most of the Silver Age pretty, pretty well. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> uh, but I'm, Tenet's awesome. I just watched uh, Grace Point and then watched Broadchurch, and he's amazing and everything. So, Isn't that just the exact same show, but one of them, he just doesn't have an accent instead in California instead of in... Yep. <laughs> okay. Just checking. But everyone was like, this only, is different. So I was like, okay. I'll only check because it, out it has then. Anna Gunn, like, who, to be fair, I do love with all my heart, but I just can't get behind the Grace Point version. I watched both, and honestly, I think they were fine. <laughs> fair enough. I think all the BBC nerds were just like, no, Americans, stop taking our shows. Pretty much. <laughs> Even though they are Americans, they, they're just like, well, we watch BBC because we're hip. I'm not hip per se. Like I'm, I would definitely not be. Programming, that's for like sure. if I had to use a word to describe myself, hip would not be in like the top hundred of those words. I'd be more I would, yeah, I would put it. Top, <laughs> I would put it top fifty. <laughs> I just like BBC. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> top fifty, man. That's really high, man. There are a lot of words. I'm yeah. Really confused. I just, I'm not hip. It's fine. <laughs> she tweets at Kelly Sue DeConnick. She's hip. <laughs> Um, and she favorites my tweets, but let's yeah. not talk about it because I'm just going to start crying. Oh, man. <laughs> also, Kate Leth, because man, I Twitter happens. emotions are real. Let's and Chip Zdarsky today, too. I'm just, oh, my God, I can't talk about it. It's so emotional. Of, oh, I've got something to say about Chip Zdarsky later on. Is it yeah. about how he posted naked pictures of himself on Twitter? Um, it has to do with that also, but <laughs> it's more about the back pages of Sex Criminals, which we'll talk about later. Oh, my um, God. But uh, we can't get to comics this week just yet because we have, no. <laughs> like I said, a whole bunch of great news that we do have to cover. Right now we have a triplicate of casting that's going on kind of outside the borders of comics. Although I think all three of these things have had a comic published at some time. Yeah, so sure. if you've got a problem with it, well, that's okay. Uh, we're we're sorry. To, Keep listening, but, please. <laughs> you know, I guess press fast forward for a bit. We need listens. To, listen to it. Uh, at any rate. Uh, we have two kind of rumored things that are going on. Uh, both actually happen to be related to a Lucasfilm property, or I guess now a Disney property. But uh, that's because Michael Fassbender has been rumor. The rumors going around right now that he's being looked at to possibly star as Boba Fett in the uh, seventh and whatever else. Further no, in on. a spinoff in 2016. Yeah, that's right. Sorry about that. Uh, in a different movie that. Can we just take a moment of silence and appreciate Fassbender in all his glory? Just, I do love Fassy. <laughs> I love him so much. And I don't mean to interrupt your moment of silence, but there's something no, that, else was like that a, a lot of fine. people love, and that is uh, the man-slash-golden-retriever hybrid uh, Chris <laughs> Pratt, the most adorable human being on the planet. <laughs> That's the best description of him I've ever heard. Because he is. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh wow! Like, imagine, Someone tell him that. Imagine That's Chris Pratt running towards him. you, and oh then God. imagine a golden retriever. You're you're probably just as excited, no matter like what your sex, gender, or sexual orientation is. Like golden retriever though. or Chris Pratt, you're like hell yeah, dude. This is gonna golden be retrievers right. are my favorite, and Chris Pratt is one of my favorites. So that was just the most delightful like visual imagery that you just gave me. Yes. I'm gonna use that for like guided meditation from now on. Excellent. <laughs> That can be your spirit animal. <laughs> uh, but uh, Chris Pratt is rumored that he might be being looked at to be the next Indiana Jones. Oh, man, please make it so. Which could also be great. So I guess that's kind of like a double whammy of possible wonderfulness. I, yeah. I, 
I, I couldn't think of someone I would rather see as Indiana Jones. Did, For like, real. Dis, did Disney decide officially that Harrison Ford's just too old? Um, There was a rumor a little while ago that um, if um, Harrison Ford didn't like sign on to like a fifth film by like a certain time, then they would just go with a younger actor. But that's since been squashed as a rumor by Frank Marshall, uh, who's the franchise producer. Um, I've heard a but, lot of rumors that uh, they just want to kind of that like Harrison Ford doesn't necessarily want to be the main character in the film that maybe he just wants to kind of like hop on as like a cameo and that they may. I suppose Stanley. Like, yeah. <laughs> Who, by the way, had a cameo on Agent Carter this week. So that's great. <laughs> Why isn't Shia LaBeouf going to be Indiana Jones? Didn't uh, they establish that in the last movie? <laughs> I think they just kind of like skip over that one and pretend it didn't happen. Disney holds box office sales as a large portion of its value of worth of things. Mm-hmm. And um, that movie did really bad. Yeah, like ultra bad. I hate that movie so I goddamn f- much. I feel like everybody hates that movie. People who haven't seen that movie hate that movie. Like that movie itself was almost as bad as the entire like new trilogy of Star Wars. <laughs> I was going to say Transformers 4. <laughs> no, Transformers 4 is awful. Wait, that's the most recent one, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's the one with the- Kelsey Grammer as a bad guy and Mark Wahlberg as an inventor. How dare they? <laughs> How dare they? Yeah, to be fair, I haven't ever seen the like new trilogy of Star Wars, like one through three, because I just never really felt that it was necessary because I love the original three so much and I don't want it to like you ruin. Want to be a real nerd, you have to like go through that no, show and fraud. Kelsey, too. stop. Like, I'm the man at the airlock yourself. telling you not to push that button. <laughs> no, see, like don't I go have out no... into space. It's I'm not, not worth it. <laughs> I have no oh, man, you gotta you gotta suffer too. If we no, had no, no. to, you have to. No man, we I'm are suffered... legion. <laughs> we are not one. <laughs> no, like one of my exes, I remember he was super pissed because he's like, How can you call yourself a fucking nerd if you haven't seen like the original or like the new trilogy of Star Wars? I'm like I am a nerd with discerning taste, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't You're a smart waste, nerd. I, don't I wish waste I could have been a well-thinking individual to know that when I was like, hey, Yoda's going to be flipping around <laughs> with a fucking shortened lightsaber to like steer clear of that pile of garbage. To but, be fair, when like, uh, what's the first one? The Phantom Menace? When that one came out, I think I was in like the sixth grade and that was a little bit previous to my like super nerd like affiliation so i kind of dodge a bullet on that one dude i was like <laughs> i was balls deep and nerd up by then Yo, so it's just yeah. like right i'm in the same boat as you my dad like, took me to see episode one with my buddy and we were like so excited about that terrible fucking movie oh my god see the only thing i was into at that point was i think it was just x-men and that was pretty much it everything else is just like i don't care <laughs> but i've since changed my ways obviously so but anyways, so a possible <laughs> Boba Fett spinoff, which was rumored yes. for a while. Make it so. Make um, it so. I mean, like, I know the the common, like, uh, a common nerd thing that I hear is, that, you know, that Boba Fett, of course, you know, he climbs out of the Sarlacc pit. That's uh, technically that's Legends uh, continuity now, guys. That's not canon. Um, but uh... <laughs> that's my favorite thing you've ever said. <laughs> They honestly, they probably will make a canon though, because he's an insanely popular char- character, and they're not going to kill him off. No, just as an overview for all of you Star Wars nerds out there, canon is the six cinematic movies, Rebels, Clone Wars, and any future movies made by Disney. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry you read all those books as a kid. I read some of them too. <laughs> it was bad. 
Sorry for wasting your fucking time. <laughs> Don't worry. Some of my time was wasted as well. Hey, wait. This is a good time, though. Any of any of you who are Star Wars fans and are just sitting there shaking your head and you're like, yeah, I can't believe I wasted all my time. Now you know why I hate DC Comics. <laughs> you can relate now. <laughs> now you understand. Okay. And now you can out. pick up Star Wars number one, one of a hundred different variant covers <laughs> available in your local comic book shop, and it's so much better than any of that stuff that you read in the past. It has anthropomorphic rabbits, which we've already talked about that Ryan loves. <laughs> yes. And things that Ryan loves, at least like most things that Ryan loves, we need more of. So, you know. Uh but yeah, him Indiana Jones as as Chris Pratt, um Fastbender's Boba Fett are wonderful. Sorry. On the actual casting <laughs> note, uh, that is uh, Ghostbusters. Uh, Paul Feig's reboot uh, finally had its cast revealed, and along with it, there's been um, a lot of uh, kind of speculation about who's playing who. But uh, his new cast in the Ghostbuster film will be Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, and Leslie Jones. The Ghostbusting team will be made up of Aaron Gabler, an academic on the tenure track at Columbia, Abby Bergman, a colleague who is more on the pop parapsychology side of things and pursues ghosts for a living, Jillian, who is Abby's ghost hunting partner, and Patty, who is an NTA employee who comes across as the main ghost. Amped as fuck. I mean, I'm so <clears throat> stoked. People are anticipating that um, based on this casting, that uh, Kristen Wiig will be playing Aaron. Uh, yeah, I would uh, buy that. Leslie Jones will end up being Abby. Kate McKinnon will be Jillian. And uh, Melissa McCarthy will be playing Patty. But I don't know. I mean, I could see some of those roles being kind of swapped around. But, you know. Um, I'm stoked for a new Ghostbusters movie at all because I came to terms a long time ago that it wasn't going to happen with the original cast. And then after Ramis passed away, it was just just a complete wash. And I don't understand why people out there are like, well, why isn't the original cast? It's like, well, because one of them is dead. One of them's fat. One of them's like a mummy. And like Rick Moranis is retired and Ernie Hudson just goes around to like all the comic cons because that's Ernie the only Hudson career he has left. Frankenstein's like once Oh my god. <laughs> comics. So, He's like, like that guy who's oh my god, I can't remember his name, Tommy something from that movie The Room. Oh, Tommy uh, Wiseau? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau. He just shows Wiseau up at every... some other project that's coming out right now. I'm not going to oh, link it in the show notes, but he has another project going on. <laughs> We're not going to link it because it's going to be awful. So, um, <laughs> but everyone's like, well, why aren't they coming back? Like years ago, too, Murray was like, I don't want to do another one. Yeah. It's on, It's pretty well-sided. Like him and Dan Aykroyd don't get along. And he also said, like, unless we get the whole cast, which Moranis is never coming back, like, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, so and Harold Ramis is fucking dead. So you yeah. can't do it. Oh. So you know what? Here's the thing. Paul Feig makes great movies, and he's got an all-star cast of ladies to make this film, and it's going to be good, I feel. so. And my only problem with that cast is, honestly, I am super burnt out on Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> like, I just, I'm not, I love Kristen Wiig, I, I watch SNL every week, so I'm a big, like, McKinnon and Jones fan, and, uh, like, McCarthy is just the one. She's a great supporting character, so I'm hopeful she'll be fine because well, she she has to play like an ensemble cast here. But I'm like, dude, Identity Theft slash The Heat slash Tammy slash that new movie Spy are all the same fucking movie. 
I've literally never seen any of those, so I'm pretty much not burned down on her. <laughs> but I, I mean, it, so if Hitflix is if Hitflix the the site that I was reading is is right about the speculation speculation about the casting, then it um then it has that like you know maybe uh, McCarthy is playing more of more of a supporting role, but like no one really knows how the script's going to work out, so I don't know. I think the the thing that hopefully Paul Feig will get right is to make it truly an ensemble cast movie where everyone gets a role. Like I think no matter what, like if I think this movie has the potential to be fantastic and I think it'll be good regardless, but if he doesn't let the spotlight linger on any of them too long and really makes it about them as a group, which is what made Ghostbusters so fucking wonderful, aside from, like, possibly the greatest joke ever told in existence. <laughs> um, but, like, oh my goodness. I, I, I was, like, sitting at, at work when I found out that this casting had gone down, and I was, like, sitting there, and my boss came up and totally was like, hey, Andy, so you're just, like, staring at your phone? And I was like, this is the cast for Ghostbusters. And we nerded out for five minutes about it. It was, like, my happiest <laughs> moment of the week. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. Also, uh, Dan Aykroyd says that this is, cast is magnificent, so let's just take his lead and mm-hmm. stop being internet fuckboys about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there we go. If Dan Aykroyd says it's good, it's good. Yeah. He was a conehead. We have to listen. <laughs> we stand by him. We obey Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's obviously the soundbite for the beginning yep. of the episode. Oh, that ruled so hard. <laughs> I just wanted to be. Oh, oh, I'm so into it. <laughs> All right. So uh, speaking of things that ruled, uh, we got a brand new Fantastic Four trailer. Uh, this is <laughs> something that debuted well, like earlier this week. I would say it looks like this was yes. uh, Wednesday. Uh, yeah, when Tuesday, was that? I think it was the Tuesday. We Wednesday was when it finally ended up getting released. Um, but it is just about two minutes long. But in this film, they're totally rebooting the franchise, and they're going to be having uh, Miles Teller be Reed, Kate Mara is going to be Sue, Michael B. Jordan is going to be Johnny Storm. And uh, Jamie Bell is going to be Ben Grimm. Um, so, yeah, they're basically starting this whole thing over. Um, I love the cast. I do, too. Just I really like everyone in that cast. Uh, I've liked Miles Teller for a while now and Jamie Bell, too. I first saw him in a movie like this indie flick called Dear Wendy. And I followed his career like from there. Uh, and I've always enjoyed everything he's done. And Josh Trank is directing, and he did Chronicle, which I thought was awesome. So I have high hopes. It's not hard, like to make a good Fantastic, like a better Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> I was gonna say, ah. <laughs> it's kind of like when I went and saw Man of Steel. I was like, that wasn't amazing, but yeah, that's like the best Superman movie. But at the same time, that's not saying much because it's like, oh well, look at the other Superman movies. So like, it's easily going to be. I'm calling it right now, best Fantastic Four movie. They could literally just put in the minute 30 whatever the fuck trailer in the theaters come the time that release date comes up and this would still be the best Fantastic Four movie. I'm going to cast just... alone. <laughs> yeah. It's and the I best minute think... five that Fantastic Four has ever seen. <laughs> I just, for some reason, I just really hated however the fuck you say his name. I know it looks like it's Eon Grufford, but it's like Yun Griffith or whatever. Oh. But. I just hated him as Reed. I could not. I couldn't. (laughs) Wait, what? I 
I need to figure out what his name is now because it's a quick Google search. I'm finding out. Don't worry. He's like Welsh, so it's pronounced like Ian Griffith or something. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. I think it's Yoan Griffin. Spell it. I O A N. No, it's just Ian. I think. I think it's pronounced Ian because it's Welsh. Yeah. The yeah. The Irish and like Celtic are weird. Like I'm gonna say that about my people. We 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 do stuff weird. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, because it's kind of like Carrie. Well, what's his name? Else. but the guy yeah. who plays i can't remember his real name it's ian something but the guy who plays um fits in agents of shield that's how he spells uh, his name too. okay so it's also ian okay so ian yeah. griffith or whatever it is yeah Feel whatever like... so that guy Sorry was terrible for... but yeah. this cast is awesome <laughs> he definitely has the the jawline of of reed but yeah i don't know whatever can we just have can we just have like a future fantastic four movie where <laughs> um we have like crazy uh, psychotic, willing to do anything, no matter the cost. Bearded Reed Richards, because I feel yes. like that's really the superior Reed Richards character. I agree. I love like when he hasn't slept for days and his hair is just frizzy and he's got like a crazy beard. Yeah, that's my fa- that's my favorite Reed. Yeah, I want desperate Reed Richards when he's pushed <laughs> to his limit. Um, the one thing that I'm really uh, angry is not the right word, but disappointed in is um, their inability to cast a uh, African-American woman as Sue Storm as well. Yeah. I think that this kind of... Um, <laughs> I don't think I care. Well, I think that's... Well, and that's know, fine. But I think boy. that there is a whole bunch of people that do care. And I think that they are women and African-American women and women of color and people of color. I think that there's a great um, cinematic legacy of whitewashing the female leading role or using a person of color in the female lead as like an exoticized sexual object it happens a lot with you know black exploitation in the 70s it also happens a lot with like uh asian women in modern cinema and it would have been a really great opportunity since sue storm is johnny storm's uh sister and she is and he is her brother like it would have been a great way for them to make a strong step forward I feel like there still are a lot of ways that you can in, uh, like integrate you know, the current Johnny Storm that they have into a reasonable story. And hopefully that's exactly what it will be. I don't want this to be like an attack on Kate Mara as Sue. Like I think that she could do a wonderful job. I just think that there's a lot of African-American actresses out there who could have done just as wonderful a job at playing Sue. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with making Sue or frankly any of the Fantastic Four black or a different ethnicity than white which is what they've gone with i'm a hundred percent cool with like johnny being black and i'm interested to see like what the script is going to do to like explain that maybe they are half siblings or he's adopted I, or something but i honestly my, think my favorite thing about that would be if they just don't explain it and they just let it be yeah so many fucking nerds would freak the fuck out <laughs> so that let would, them freak the fuck out yeah. <laughs> i i I, uh, I don't know. Like, I, part of the reason why this whole, like, weird, like, culture where, like, dudes on the internet get upset about, like, a black stormtrooper or whatever the fuck they're getting upset about via race or sex or whatever is because they feel the need to explain away everything. Like, they don't just see something in context and be like, yeah, that's just how it is. When you feel the need to start, like, oh, well, this is happening because of this and this and this. Like, it's cool, I guess, for, like, backstory, for your own, like, knowledge purposes. But, like, it's really not necessary. Like, you don't see a black guy and a white girl who are brother and sister in real life and expect them to tell you their origin story. Like, you just accept them as they are, so. Yeah, but, like, you can't go into a comic book fandom and expect that because comic book fandom is based on knowing every backstory like you know 
especially in the day and age we exist now, like someone can break down the physics of like Thor's hammer for you. Oh, no, like I super agree with you. That's what I'm saying. Like a lot of people for like informational purposes will want to know all those things. And that's super great that you want to be like that huge fan. But a lot of people disguise like their bigotry with that reason, which is, again, why yeah, one of the no, biggest things about was about like that black stormtrooper. So that's what I'm saying. No, I, I definitely agree. Like it would be fantastic if we needed no explanation. I mean, we would need no explanation if they were both black. But, um, you know, they chose not to make that choice, and that's totally reasonable. That's a logical choice for them and for what they chose to make this movie. Um, I don't want to, you know, uh, brutally attack the casting director or whatever. Like, <clears throat> but Here's it- one thing, though, that, like, worries me with stuff like this is that gets overlooked. Because I agree, like, yeah, I want more racial representation in movies, mm-hmm. too. But if Kate Mara auditioned for Sue Storm and nailed it, why not? No, yeah, that's probably yeah. why she was cast. Actually- that's why we're not upset at her. We're just... Saying like, hey. yeah, no, like I, I get it, but like I, I worry sometimes that people like overlook that. They're like, well, if he's black, why isn't she black? Like, I mean, people are equally outraged about, you know, like, oh, why is he black? And then there's also the people like, well, if she's black, if he's black, why isn't she? And to me, when it comes to a movie, like, I just want the best actor, man. I don't care what you are. Like, yes. if you go in there and you fucking hammer it, like, I want you in that role because I'm gonna love you in that role. Right, and that makes sense, except for the fact that it never, ever, ever, like pretty much like 99.9% of the time ever goes the other way. Yeah, the unfortunate thing is that the entertainment industry is the absolute complete opposite of a meritocracy, and that like it may be that someone else could have done a wonderful role. I mean, I don't want to sit in the wonder, the what ifs. Like the, the end result is we've got Kate Mara as Sue Storm, and Kate Mara has a pretty decent uh, like set of acting chops that I can go off of to be confident that this is going to be a much better Fantastic Four movie than we got in the past, which is good. It's fantastic. We love it. But it's just, I know it's going to sit in in the back of my head the whole time until this movie comes out, for me personally. (laughs) Like, just the fact that it's, you know, that Sue Storm isn't black. But I will be more than happy to be disappointed by a fantastic performance by by all cast members, and let's see some more of it, you know? Um, I'll tell you what, Marvel, you can buy me over, get me a Misty Night movie that goes on, okay? Or God, um, your love for Misty Night. Oh, man. I mean, doesn't everyone love Misty Night? Or can I just, you know, can we get a Black Panther spinoff where we talk about the White Tiger? Like, I mean, I'm I'm, okay with that. I'm just excited that, like, out of all entertainment, like, outlets out there, I really do feel like Marvel and, like, Marvel is really... I mean, they're giving Black Panther his own movie, his own movie, you know, and they did like take a chance, like not Marvel necessarily, but like Marvel still has a hand in it. They took a chance on like, yeah, we're going to have a black Johnny Storm and you're just going to have to deal with it. Yes. So I am happy to see like that that's happening, but I do agree like that needs to be happening everywhere, not just comic book movies. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, absolutely. And I mean, more props to Michael B. Jordan. I mean, you said it at the beginning, Ryan, right? Like. He is going to do a kick-ass job in this film. Like, Oh, he's fantastic. Um, he's great. I mean, in everything I've seen him in, he was on Parenthood. Um, he was – I mean, he's <laughs> – he, I, I love that show, and he's a, he's a good actor. Like, that show is an emotional – like, it's a fucking gut punch here. Yeah, it's like a sledgehammer, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was just, like, laughing because Kristen Bell just posted a photo on Twitter of her, like, crying in the fetal position after watching the finale. <laughs> I haven't and watched I've, Parenthood finale, so – um, and he he killed it in Chronicle, and he was great in Fruitvale Station. Oh so I I have complete confidence in him as Johnny. Honestly, like he's probably the person I'm most excited about for in that movie because 
Um, like Miles Teller is going to have to sell me on being Reed, and uh, Jamie Bell is going to have to sell me on being like Ben. But like Miles Teller, I'm like, yeah, he's like, he can play cocky and he can play serious. Like he's going to nail Johnny Storm. No, yeah, that, that movie's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be good. They're going to prove gonna me be wrong. The... We're going to be happy. We're all going to be super happy about it, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes, I agree. What were you saying, Ryan? It's going to be what? I was just saying it's going to be like. Fox making up for years of terrible shit. Yes. <laughs> you owe us, Fox. Don't do us dirty on this deal. Uh, <laughs> this is not the way that it needs to go down. Uh, speaking of ways that it does need to go down, uh, we have some more <laughs> wonderful, positive casting news. Uh, and actually, uh, thumbs up on the edge of inclusion uh, because CBS has cast Mekad Brooks as Jimmy Olsen in CBS's Supergirl. I mean, this is as much a appropriate ethnic switch as I could think of. Like, um, I don't know. There's not really much that makes Jimmy Olsen white aside from being white, right? <laughs> but I mean, Jimmy Olsen is like the handsome, dapper photographer at the Daily Planet. And uh, I don't know. It's cool to see them put Makad Brooks, who I think most famously would probably be um, known for his run on Desperate Housewives. But uh, yeah, he's going to be Jimmy Olsen in CBS's Supergirl. Yeah, the shows have just... The shows are great. I I mean, fl- like Iris is black and Flash, and McCod mm-hmm. Brooks is black and Supergirl, and like the shows are just like we don't give a fuck. We're gonna cast whoever we want to cast for these roles. Like, whatever. I'm very interested to see that show in general, though. Yeah. I don't know a CBS superhero show. I'm just really worried it's gonna be super cheesy. Yeah, I'm not. I don't have super strong feelings about it, but. So far, the casting isn't super disappointing, so <laughs> that's exciting, I guess. Who was officially cast as Supergirl? I uh, had her it's name Melissa up here. Melissa Benoit. Or, yes. yeah, oh, that's Melissa right. Benoit. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this last time. Because <laughs> I thought her name was a French dessert, but yeah, apparently it's not. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's <laughs> right. Okay. I remember now. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Melissa Benoit, we talked about it last week. Um, she was in Glee season oh, four. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah. okay. I think we had this yeah. exact same moment. Like, in the Seriously. Previous. No, she'll be good. She'll be good. Yeah, no, and and I think, you know, I, I do kind of share some of your skepticism um, in CBS hasn't really showed us anything. So... The the one good thing is it's the same person who um yeah it's the same guy that has been writing in... Arrow and Flash that's correct uh, in that case then I changed my mind I have all the confidence and then also uh, <laughs> Ali Adler is on the is on the writing team as well uh, wrote some of Glee and some of the New Normal as well so who knows um uh, but you know I mean again we talk about wonderful uh, inclusion and we talked about kind of some of you know, the possibilities are, uh, the, the you know, the things that have been, um, you know, going on in comics lately. And, you know, it's just another good news story, really. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, speaking of good news inclusion, we also had Jason Momoa. Who, Be perfect. He had an interview with uh, the Daily Beast. Uh, it looks like this was Marlo Stern who ended up doing the interview. Uh, he talked to Marlo about a whole bunch of stuff, everything from 
you know, his work on the Red Road on Sundance Channel to, um, you know, what it was like being in Game of Thrones and being called Drogo and what that kind of did for his career. My but, son and stars. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, <laughs> no, man. Um, but uh, he also had some really fantastic, wonderful things to say about inclusion and about getting to represent, you know, as, as a Hawaiian person, getting to represent an Islander as Aquaman, as opposed to some, you know, blonde haired superhero. And... Yeah, the exact quote on that, because it's the greatest, <laughs> is I'm someone who gets to, to who gets to represent the all the Islanders, not some blonde haired superhero. It's cool that there's a brown skinned superhero here fucking here. Yeah. <laughs> I just love him so much. Um, as long as there's no hook he's, hand. God, he's <laughs> the only thing I'm even excited about in Superman. I know. And he's probably just going to be the post credit. It doesn't matter. I'm fucking excited about it. And it's even like he's also said how he's just stoked to be in the Justice League movie when it comes out because his son is a huge Batman fan and his daughter is a huge Wonder Woman fan. And it's the cutest thing because they're not allowed to watch Game of Thrones yet. <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, speaking of other wonderful Andy's things. Andy's the going worst. On. Yes, Andy is the worst. You won't get to find out why, though. Um, <laughs> speaking of things that aren't the worst, namely not talking about me. Funko has oh, uh, yeah. stepped into the, I guess you would call it like nerd thing delivery service. service. Yeah, subscription service. And they have launched a, I guess you would call it maybe a competitor to kind of Loot Crate um, or any of those other kind of, you know, monthly or bi-monthly boxes that you can get shipped to your home with, you know, maybe they've got a little action figure in it. Maybe they've got cool comics and some other knickknacks and stuff. And it's going to be Marvel Collector Core. So it's going to be 100% exclusive collectibles, t-shirts, stuff. It's going to be $50 of value and it's going to be $25 a box. Yeah. And it's every two months. Yes. Bi-monthly, yeah. This is awesome, mostly because the debut box comes out in April, so you all have plenty of time to sign up, like Ryan feverently did before we started recording. Yeah, that before first we box... even started the actual <laughs> podcast, Ryan had subscribed to the service. So, um, The first box is going to feature stuff from um, Avengers Age of Ultron, which includes a six-inch Iron Man Hulkbuster pop vinyl figure, which actually looks pretty fucking rad. A TV, er, TV shirt? Wow. Um, a t-shirt <laughs> has one of four exclusive designs. Man, I was and another... really excited for a TV shirt for a while. I was like, what <laughs> I does don't know that, what that look means. like? Um, and another stylized vinyl figure and two premium accessories. And then the one that's coming out in June is going to fe be featured by um, with Ant-Man stuff. So it's been pretty ah, cool. <laughs> I want an Ant-Man vinyl. <laughs> it's... Well, you signed up, so you're good. Yeah, like, I, <laughs> I just want it though. I want one now. <laughs> I want Paul Rudd as Ant Man in my house. <laughs> well, the one thing that people, I, the only like downside that I've heard is not in respect to this so much, just as like with Loot Crate, I guess, because then it looks like that Loot Crate probably won't be getting any more Marvel like variant covers or anything anymore. But oh, sucks for you, Loot Crate. That's why I signed up for this. What up? <laughs> Yeah, but let's be real. Like, this stuff's going to be way cooler. And then you won't have to put up with any weird themes or DC stuff. So, yay! I, I actually <laughs> think that Marvel will probably keep those variants in Loot Crate. Uh, that would be I, cool. Because I think it's probably more to their advantage to keep the Loot Crate thing out there and then also march 
uh, March, God, also <laughs> launch a like exclusive Marvel Collector Core edition. You know, it will force people to like hardcore collectors will sign up for both. They'll buy both exactly. Yep. Like, um, can you just imagine like the full page like ad spread inside the variant cover that says, "By the way, sign up for Marvel Collector Core." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't forget to renew your Marvel Collector Core subscription. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love the pop vinyls, though, so I'm stoked. Like, I have a bunch of the ones from I, – I don't want to collect them all. Like, I don't want to be that guy who's like, oh, I need every pop vinyl. So mm-hmm. I try to, like, pick my favorites. You know, like I have, like, um, you know, I have Hero from Big Hero 6, and I have Ghostface from Scream and Colossus from X-Men and Flash from Justice League. So I try to pick, like, my favorites. But if I can get this shit delivered to me, like, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. I mean, no holds barred. As someone who has been cleaning out their room as of late and has oh, generated an enormous <laughs> pile of crap that I just don't need anymore, I have always, like, resisted subscribing to any kind of, like, a loot crate service just because, like, I just don't know how much of it I would need. But this kind of piques my interest, A, because it's all Marvel, so I know that I'm going to be getting stuff something that you like exclusively from marvel and like kelsey kind of mentioned earlier i don't like the kind of like i guess it's not necessarily random but the kind of varied you know categories that they'll put like the stuff into and i don't like that being kind of like in unexpected i like that this is being tied into the movies like the first one's going to be avengers the next one's going to be ant-man like that's really cool because i know that if i subscribe right now i'm going to get some avengers stuff you know guaranteed yeah that's probably my favorite thing like with loot crate i was signed up with them for a while which to be said it is still a pretty great service but just not for me per se because like i don't know like there was very specific like niche things that i like and like i got like a box one month that was just like a horror themed and i am a total pansy ass so like I was like, I can't, I don't want any of this. <laughs> and so I just gave it to like my ex and it's just like a huge waste of however fucking much money I paid. So this way it'll be cool because every franchise that I do like from Marvel will be represented at some point because I pretty much only really like Marvel and Image. So like this is half of my interest right here. Yeah. So I'm pretty yeah. stoked. Attention Image. If you would somehow like to siphon more of Kelsey's money out of her wallet, <laughs> um, Do one please of these. set up Image Collector Core. <laughs> she will sign up for the uh, weekly edition where you send her something every week. Yeah, and this is exciting, too, because especially, like, one of the things, like, this is such a weird fucking nerd thing to say, but I guess this is the place for that. Um, I kind of collect the pop vinyl things, like, not to, like, an extreme as a lot of people do, um, because I saw the booth at San Diego Comic-Con last year, and it was fucking nuts. Um, But I really do. Like, I have all the Adventure Time ones, I have all the Game of Thrones ones, and I've been trying to collect as many X-Men ones as I can, but they haven't come out with a Rogue or Gambit pop vinyl, which really upsets me. Because they have like nine hundred. Sure? Yes, I'm absolutely positive. Um, Man, if you Google right now and you real... find it, I'm no. gonna be so upset. Well, I just, I, <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't have the, the actual like knowledge world, but I could have sworn when we were walking around ECCC that no, in that giant Funko thing that I saw Gambit, I believe. There I don't might think be a Gambit now, but there's definitely no Rogue. Fuck so them, that's. Point being, like, Rogue is my fucking favorite out of like anything of all time, and so the fact that she's She's even, like, a core member of the X-Men in a lot of the books, and she's pretty much an Avenger. Like, we'll talk about that. But, like, point being, like, she's a huge character, and they just don't make her, and they make, like, all these other, like, weird, like, 
rando fucking characters for things that are just like, oh, I heard about that movie once. Well, and that just really upsets me. And I wrote them several strongly worded emails about it because I'm that person, I guess. So, but if they have this, then when the new X-Men movie comes out or anything like that, I have hope that there's more of a chance that they will be inclined since they have this partnership now. So... It gives me, it gives Maybe me hope. A exclusive Marvel Collector Corps rogue Funko oh my God. figurine. Don't even say that. I'm gonna like pass out and cry. <laughs> I can't handle it. If that's that's, I'm signed. I've already signed up just with like the hope that one day that will happen. And because I also kind of hope that they make an Agents of Shield box because that would be great. Oh man, I want a Fitz and a Simmons. That's what I'm saying. How yeah, cute that'd be that? pretty that'd be great. I'm just really excited about this. Like we're not getting paid to do this product placement but we are just fucking incredibly excited for it not yet (laughs) (laughs) but yeah anyway so okay hold on let's look at the i want to look i'm now i have to look at the release date because i want to see how bi-monthly are their releases so yeah oh my gosh there's so much gap in between movies like we will definitely get some comic book stuff so like, we go from July until May of the next year without having a Marvel movie, which actually yeah, kind of terrifies me for a second. But um, <laughs> there, there's going to be several of those that have to be, like, X-Men or other thing related. So that's sick. Exactly. And they have, like, thousands of characters to choose from. And so for people like Ryan, who fucking love B and C listers and stuff like that, then they're going to have a lot of good stuff coming through that you would not get from a Loot Crate box at all ever. So... Not even joking. I just went on like the the Funko website and was looking just at like everything, and I was like, they got a Hong Kong Fooey one. Yeah, yeah and no rogue. Super stoked <laughs> over Hong and Kong no, Fooey and no rogue. And I'm yeah. so upset about it still. Something that there's absolutely no way that Kelsey could be any tiny, <laughs> minuscule bit upset about is this wonderful Kickstarter that we uh, discovered earlier this week. Uh, it launched earlier this week, yeah, and uh, it is uh, Jill Trent Science Sleuth. Oh now, my god! Uh, Jill Trent Science Sleuth. She was a comic book hero published in the 1940s. Yep. And her her partner Daisy Smythe and her <laughs> they solved mysteries, fixed problems, invented things. They're like the people. 1940s, like Zena and Gabriel, or like Oprah yeah. and Gail. Like I'm just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> like they solved mysteries and caught crooks using their scientific genius, improbable inventions, and the fighting prowess. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is the greatest. And in this Kickstarter, sorry, I just took over talking for Andy, I realized, but I'm just the most excited about this in the planet. Like, 65 years later, they're bringing this back up from Super Dames Comics, which is the best. And. <laughs> I love it because in this issue number one that they're pushing through with their Kickstarter, it's going to be actually five different stories and five different like retellings. So there's going to be like what's like gender identity swaps and um, racial swaps and um, different stuff like that. Like there's one where, oh my God, Jill Trent is black and then her BFF Daisy is like a Hispanic lady or some other lady of like ambiguous color. And they are super in love with each other. Like one of the preview panels that they put out was Jill Trent like at a party and like a white like 
um, tailored suit. And there's some fucking weird looking dude who just comes up to her and kisses her hand and is clearly trying to flirt with her. And she looks at like the reader, like breaks that fourth wall, starts laughing and then walks off hand in hand with Daisy. <laughs> it's yeah. the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. I want to also, I want to also point out the wonderful pa- uh, layout design of that panel. Yeah. It shows the image, the things happening. And even though it almost looks like she's looking out the, uh, at the author, she's actually looking off panel to yeah. her partner who ends up grabbing her hand and pulling her out of frame. And then they're like waltzing around all like dressed to as much the nines as you possibly could. Yeah. Um, like they posted a bunch of different previews. We posted a couple on our Twitter. So check them out. They're amazing. And I just have all the faith. Like another one of the preview panels has her as the 1940s blonde that she originally was. And she's like beating the shit out of some guy. And like the, th- the caption is, I thought I told you I'm a doctor. <laughs> Just like kneeing him in the fucking face. Yes. Like all the artists and writers who are associated with this are amazing. You have yeah. Shingen Hall, Coyle and Incandenza, Higgins and Maggot. Oh my God, I don't know how to say that. Yeah, it's uh, Jacqueline Ching, NJ Coyle, Michael R. Hall, DM Higgins, Ryan Incandenza, Charlie McCorn, Raphael Romeo Magat, Matthew R. McDaniel, Kyle Roberts, Adam Rowe, and then also Frank Barbara, Declan Fitz. Spencer Morris and A.L. Onfroy will be taking over the stuff. And I just got to say uh, that oldie style um, that's colored by, it's art by Michael R. Hall and colored by Frank Barba. Oh my gosh. It's it amazing. totally picks up the 40s like art style of the way everyone's drawn and shadowing and everything. It's just like, uh, I got like a serious case of nostalgia looking at that first preview page. It's wonderful. All kinds of wonderful. <laughs> for but. sure like there's another one of the stories where jill is trying to create like a robot version of herself like as a clone so they can help fight crime and i love everything about it like it's gonna be the best um it obviously got funded on kickstarter because it's the greatest thing on the planet um its goal was three thousand dollars it's gone over that by a little bit at this yeah. point as it's a recording a- it's a 4181 yeah, and still got like two weeks left. It's funding on uh, Valentine's Day this year, and I am seriously the most excited. Like, yeah. I usually never, ever, ever pay. Like, I back a lot of stuff on Kickstarter, especially a lot of comics projects, and I tweet about that a lot. But I have never like rapid fire tweeted so much as when I discovered this on Kickstarter. By the end of this cast, it will be at four two oh one because I will put twenty dollars down for this bad boy. <laughs> Or bad yeah. lady, that is. Forgive me. Uh, bad lady and her wonderful, wonderful Wait. comics. <laughs> but yeah, it looks amazing. And I'm so excited. And this is something that I just think everybody needs more of. And this is like an excellent like lady run like comic publisher and lady like centric book. Um, has a lot of the writers are women. A lot of the artists are women. Like I'm just really excited about this. Plus all the dudes who are contributing are fucking great. <laughs> so... More of this all the time forever because I'm in love with you, Jill's Jill Trent Science Sleuth. <laughs> also, as Ryan already mentioned, Science Sleuth is just like the greatest phrase that's ever been pieced together that nobody says. As soon as they put this out, Batman was just like, God damn it. <laughs> we could have been did I never think of that. I had all that time to plan and I didn't get it right. Yeah, well, beat you to it, son. <laughs> so now yeah. you're just the world's greatest detective, loser. <laughs> God. God. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rest on your laurels for once, Batman? Gosh. <laughs> Ridiculous. But speaking of wonderful lady centric comics that we all could use more of in our life, January 28th was an iconic day in history. Um, 2015, we all got to have our hands 
on issue number two of Kelly Sudakonik's Bitch Planet. And I mean, this is the perfect place to move into comics this week. I, Just I'm almost so speechless good. with how wonderful Bitch Planet 2 is. It does everything it can to A, develop the setting and the situation that brought about Bitch Planet. Yeah, it lays a lot of foundation. And then, yeah, leave some foundation that's empty. So it's like, well, what really is this or that? And, uh, oh, God, it's just so good. I'll let one of you guys talk about it. The best part about Bitch Planet, uh, like, after I read it, I was thinking about it. And, like, issue one's the intro, and issue two is, like, the exposition. And it's just like, like you said, it's the foundation. But the best part is I'm not bored by it. Exactly. Which, like, there's so many comics that I'm just, I get, like, I'll read, like, the first three issues are just so boring because you're like, oh, it's it's set up. Like, I get it. We have to set up the world. We have to set up, like, the, what's happening. And there's a lot of, like, exposition. And But Kelly Sue just does such a good job at making everything interesting and just introducing all the characters and already giving them, like, such vibrant personalities. And it's just so beautiful to look at. And I know that we gave... um Ward, I think a lot of recognition for his panel placement. And this was another one that I was looking at. Valentine Delandro um, just kills it because there's so much going on in the comic. Yeah, you could have like three panels of just a character talking to another character and just like really big speech bubbles, but she's able to break it. Is it a she or he? Do we know? Mm -hmm. Let's check it out. Yeah, should find that out before I go around just throwing (laughs) genders. I just pictured you throwing like a weird object and it just said gender on it. <laughs> Valentine Leandro is uh, is definitely male. Yes, male. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, dude. Um, <laughs> he's so good at making every panel interesting, and like he just focuses on like like sometimes there were parts where, especially like the guard is talking to her, where he would just focus on the mouth of a character, but the de- and then you know the detail of the mouth like just shows that they're disgusted with what they're saying. So things like that are just like really, I don't know. Those are the things that really capture my eye when I'm reading a comic because, yeah, the story is a big deal, but kind of like this week's Uncanny X-Men or Amazing X-Men, like even when the story's good, if the art isn't, I just can't like, I can't fall in love with the comic. Right. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I just sat there for a while after I read it and, like he does a great job it. of utilizing the space that the page provides to not only guide your eye with the story bubbles, which is something that I find a lot of times sometimes modern comics kind of struggle with, like leading mm-hmm. me across mm-hmm. the page in a neat and tidy manner without making it super obvious. But like I, I will say I think it's like page like page like eight or nine of Bitch Planet when uh, they're running like the con- uh, it's like confession program or whatever and they're showing like all of the series of images and he weaves the the boxes like around Kogo like it the enti- and the entire perspective of the piece makes her look so tiny it almost feels like the page itself feels oppressive and it's so nice to see like a comic come together on all cylinders. I mean, no surprise. We all read bitch planet one. So, um, but, Oh God, it's so good. This issue, honestly, like 
in a weird way. Like, it did remind me of Odyssey a little bit. And I don't know how much this is because the two creators are married to each other. But um, I feel like it's because, like, the first issue of Odyssey and the first issue of Bitch Planet, like, there was a lot going on. And they're creating this whole new world and all these things that people have never seen before. So it was a little bit confused but still intrigued. And with the second issue of both, I feel like it really laid down a lot more for us to get invested in. Like, I loved Bitch Planet 1, but I fucking love bitch planet number two like there is a couple of pages that are the greatest thing i've seen in recent history um where cam has just gotten or gotten prepositioned by um like people who are guarding her at bitch planet you're talking about the treadmill scene uh yes (laughs) um they propositioned her to be in dumila which is also known as megaton which is basically just like a bunch of girls like fighting each other um but they haven't gone into like huge detail on that just yet. But then they're all running on either treadmills or around a track or something, which is what I picked up from it. Um, and she's telling like her fellow like inmates, basically like, I'm not going to do this. What do they want me to do? Just fight other girls. And while they're, she's like trying running in a straight line, not looking away, having like this serious discussion with like a couple of girls who run to her left and her right. You see our, our main bitch, Penny roll fall into the background like she decides to, to stop running well i mean I, the perspective is pretty good it's it looks like they're like running on like a, lo- a super wide treadmill with like video screens in the back so penny roll just like stops goes to the back and then starts beating the shit out of the guards and there's only like one of them and then you slowly see meanwhile while cam and violet or cam and um who's like uh, Miko are talking to her about like, Hey, you should sign up for this thing. We could win this. We could do this. And they're having this super serious conversation on the left-hand side. You meanwhile, in the background, Penny rolls beating the shit out of like a fucking like horde of guards. And then girls just start like joining her and beating the shit out of them. My favorite part of this preposition is Violet after she's done telling <laughs> her if you watch joints. her she runs to the back and joins in with Penny she's just joint she fucking jumps <laughs> like it's the so best good. it's so hard to describe it because it's drawn so beautifully like please 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 just yeah, read no Bitch Planet number two if you haven't it's kind of the best and I'm really excited also Kelly Sue is the best and she includes like feminist essays in the back of every single issue yeah. and oh. she's planning on keeping doing it and yeah. another thing that I don't know if people cut on is whenever they have, like, their funny little ads page, like, they're not all jokes. Like, you can actually buy things <laughs> and from the back of there. Like, you can actually get a Bitch Planet poster for $7 with shipping. And it gives you, like, the address to send that to. And that's for real, as Kelly Sue has promised. Um, as well as, like, she's selling, like, a mask and a sign and a poster or something. Yeah. But mm-hmm. in this issue, sorry, in this issue particularly, I, like, started crying because I'm a hot mess. And she has an ad that's for Leela Alcorn, who is the transgender teenage girl who killed herself, like, back in December. And it's, like, the sweetest note. And it's just her first name, and it's perfect. And I love it. And it goes exactly with the message of this book, so... Please read it. It's the greatest. And I, I just want to say, like, aside from the fact that there's 24 pages of gorgeous, absolute, triple A grade comics being written, drawn, and colored in this book, there are also six pages at the back of this book that I feel are so important to comics to everyone, no matter what your race, color, creed, sex, gender, sexual orientation. The fact that Kelly Sue 
and the entire Team Bitch Planet has found this voice for them and that they're making a spot to give other people voices like today, uh, like in this issue, um, Tasha Fierce um, writes mm-hmm. a very moving essay about misconceptions of feminism. And like, I, I just want to strongly, strongly recommend to people like when you finish Bitch Planet 1 to 1 million, when you get to the end, to page 24 of Bitch Planet, do not put it down. Read the last six. Make sure you do. Even if you don't read the letter section in the back of a comic normally, or you don't like to read the ads for the next week's comics, like, read those pages because there is not another comic on the planet right now that is giving a platform for those kind of voices and doing it so well as Bitch Planet number two is. And please, 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 please read this fucking comic. Yeah. Also, like, this is just really fucking remarkable because we get a lot of people all the time, like, individually and, like, collectively who will ask us, like, what kind of books they should read or anything like that. And this, like, we've been asked before, we've answered before, like, books that are good for, for, like, younger girls and um, just women in general. Like, read whatever you want. The entire comic sphere belongs to you. Don't feel like you're left out because of your gender because you just have to make it yours um, because nobody else will. But this is definitely, like, a safe, wonderful space for any woman or any person who just wants that kind of like acceptance i guess like this is just this book always just makes me feel so good and like there's even like in that like last like ad page there's a fake ad for a misconnection and it's the greatest thing because i'm just gonna read it it says long shot but here it goes 15 years ago some stupid 80s club at nyc you drunk smelled like both abercrombie and fitch me pushed up against a wall while you forced your hand in my pants i held my lit cigarette out of your face and tried to talk my way to safety i regret that i missed my opportunity to rip your heart out and shove it still beating down your throat call me (laughs) and like we've already talked about how this book is wonderful for feminism and for trans inclusion and everything like that but this is also a safe place for survivors of stuff like that too so don't feel like you can't read any of these things because they're gonna be triggering kelly sue is a master of everything and we love her and trust her pretty implicitly so please read bitch planet please 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 there's nothing but good things to say about bitch planet um we can talk about it forever but let's just not do that for the sake of your time i mean we know you would probably sit here and listen to us talk about bitch planet forever (laughs) because we know that you as a well-thinking comic lover also love bitch planet immensely so you know Send us an email. We can have an email talk about it. Um, or tweet at us at 2G1GTalkComics. You can do that too. Also, that's the thing. You can do it while you're listening to the cast right now if you wanted to. But we also had a big giant event that went on in the Marvel Universe as well. Um, one that dealt with uh, Ryan's favorite literary phrase, <laughs> time travel. Um, and that's because in the, I guess it was amazing, uncanny, and... Also, to some degree, I guess the Spider-Man and the X-Men book didn't really touch on the event. Um, but no. uh, But, yeah, so if you have been reading uh, X-Men lately, you will know that there have been some crazy fucking shit going on with the, uh, the will of Professor Charles Xavier and with kind of the falling out of him possibly mentally suppressing an extremely powerful mutant um, and not telling anyone about it for a while. 
And in the last issue of an X-Men book, Uncanny, that I think we didn't talk about, I think that might have been on the, in one of those weeks that we missed. But at any rate, uh, Scott Summers and uh, um, Magic, Magic and this um, mm. brand Poor new Magic. mutant, mutant <laughs> Malloy. I know, dude, Ileana Rasputin gets like the fucking short end of the stick. For oh, real. The that whole Rasputin is, family, yeah, pretty for much. Real. But Ileana, for real, is just doomed. It's the most heartbreaking thing all the time. Worst thing ever. Anyways. Um, but, and Matthew <laughs> Malloy, they were on top of this like... Uh, it's a giant fucking rock, and they were on top of it because Cyclops thought that it was the most like, you know, isolated place to take this kid to, and him and Magic took her, took him there, and um, then Shield showed up and blasted the shit out of them, and so Eva Bell basically found out that that was going to happen, and might have gone back in time to talk to Professor Xavier about it. Yep. Basically, they murked Cyclops and Magic. <laughs> and then in this issue, um, everyone, I hope every listener knows right now that everything is just a spoiler alert. Matthew Malloy just destroys White Queen. He punches her and turns her into a yeah. bunch of fucking diamonds. Yeah, after dead. they, after uh, they, um, after they, like, vaporize the three of them, the shield team's on the ground and Matthew Malloy, like, somehow forms himself up from the bones of himself being dead, comes back to life, and then... Because X-Men! Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and he can't bring Cyclops or Magic back, and then he shows up at the Jean Grey school and literally punches Emma Frost into a pile of diamonds. Yeah, Aww. and then the end is, uh, well, the whole issue, like Ava Bella's, she's talking to Professor X and letting him know that all this is happening, so the issue ends with Professor X basically meeting up with the um, Scott Summers mutants alive. So, timelines are all fucked up again, so we'll see like how they're going to fix it. I really don't think they're going to keep uh, Emma and Magic and Scott all dead. Uh, I think Cyclops has died enough times and they're not going to keep this one permanent. <laughs> to be fair, everyone in the X-Men universe dies all the time. Death is no big deal. <laughs> yeah, the cover... Okay, I I mean, Bendis writes the comics, so of course I love it. And I really like Chris Bocciolo, um as an artist. When he was handling Wolverine in the X-Men, I absolutely loved it. And I, I think he has a very good, like... Um, hand like with the x-men uh but the cover is such a cock tease because it's got like <laughs> it's got like emma looking all badass in her like super revealing costume or whatever and then it's got like dazzler and her sweet new like punk faux hawk and polaris and everything love dollar, no, dazzler. that is my <laughs> biggest fucking gripe with this comic is that it has fucking allison blair punked out on the cover and she's just a background character. She doesn't even have a speech bubble. In what this the comic hell? Book. <laughs> no, like, this was supposed to be more punk rock dazzler for me, and I don't understand <laughs> why they couldn't give me more of it. I need it. I need punk rock dazzler. I've I literally had to never heard Andy Wine. <laughs> disco fucking dazzler for a while, and it's terrible. Ah. And I just love. I mean, you sound like a whiny fucking baby. The covers, <laughs> the covers, so good too, because it's just like, oh man, look at all these badass girls the X Men have, and then that's yep. not what the issue is about. Nope, not at all. At all. Yeah. But yeah. also, Rogue there doesn't, you know, have. Rogue's not in the comic. Yeah. Because yeah, she's, she's busy in, elsewhere. Yeah, she's busy being in um, Uncanny Avengers. Or is that actually? You know what? That's not Rogue. That's no, Eva, it's Bell. Eva Bell. Yeah, yeah. They Eva just Bell have similar hairstyles. Anyways, I'm always <laughs> fooled by that X Men with the white hair. Style. But it was a big. I mean, it was a big deal because essentially, right now, Scott Summers, Elena Rasputin, and Emma Frost are all dead. 
Um, but of course, I'm sure it will be reversed because, you know, some Matthew Malloy is an Omega-level mutant, and they're going to figure it out somehow. His powers are, by the way, telepathy, telekinesis, matter manipulation, catatonic explosions, and teleportation. Yes. All the things. Yeah. Well, Eva Bell is like, hers are even more crazy. Like she Temporal manipulation, essentially. She has temporal yeah. manipulation, and she can travel back in time for a minute with people with her, but if it's just her, she can um, last it's longer. It's basically limitless, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is why it's supposed to be her, like, inner spirit in that issue, is that she's back for a minute, and no one realizes she's gone until she comes back with, whatchamacallit, with... Uh, with Professor X, uh, yeah. Charles, yeah. Um, in the other X-book, um, we had talked about this earlier, I think, last week when we talked about the crystal of Sidorak. Yeah. It might have been on take one of um, <laughs> the other week. Um, but yeah, yeah, the the ruby of Sidorak has been rediscovered and the amazing X-Men, um, which is mostly like uh, Iceman, Rockslide, uh, Storm... North Star, Colossus... Rachel Gray and Nightcrawler? Pixie. Yeah, Pixie and Nightcrawler. Pixie and Nightcrawler, yes. And uh, they're like the, you know, the amazing X-Men. And they basically leave Peter at home because it's the fucking Ruby of Sidorak, which <laughs> possessed him for a while. So Storm is like, no, Peter, you're not allowed. But they're fighting this giant crazy demon. And they kind of go through like a little like cast of characters that are all like mercenaries or people who have at some point wielded the stone. I, I will say, like, there's a line that fucking Bobby says, like, man, I remember back in the day, Professor X could just win any fight just by showing up. <laughs> also, the line um, when Peter's talking to uh, Pixie, to Megan, and he's like, he's telling her that he needs to go. And she's like, no, you don't. And he punches the table and he says, just do as I say already. And she looks up at him and says, this is why no one likes you anymore. <laughs> Um, perfect description of Cyclops. Um, but Chris, so Christopher Yost is writing the comic, and he's a longtime like X Men favorite. He's been he's handled the X Men like numerous times, and I love the writing. I hate this art. I and, feel like the close up of Cyclops's face. Colossus. Unpaid, oh yeah, Colossus. Sorry, I feel like a. That's your favorite character, now. Andy. Yeah, I'm terrible. <laughs> I have Cyclops on the mind because he's dead. Colossus's face on fucking page sixteen of this comic. The close up when he's talking to Pixie is how I feel about this comic art. Like, I think I'm just gonna put that a link to somehow capping that without the bubble, so you have to actually buy the comic. Because that is exactly what my face is when I think about the art of this comic. Just, just, sometimes I feel like I feel bad because like I want to get into the comic industry one day and I don't want people to like read my writing and be like, yeah, I love this comic except the writing's fucking garbage. Like I get <laughs> it that you're like – you're an artist and I understand and like I'm jealous of you that you broke into the comic industry. But like this is pretty much universal. I was reading all the reviews and everyone's like, yeah, this comic would, would be good if the art wasn't so shitty. And I'm I'm sorry, it's just like it doesn't belong in an X-Men comic. I'm not saying that you're like you're a bad artist. I'm saying it doesn't fit the tone of the comic. There's some of it like there's like the depiction of like Kane Marco looks pretty legit. And like I like the way that um they've drawn like rock slide in a couple of these panels, but like it's just way more missed than hit for me, like in so much it's of like super manga. And I mean it doesn't even look like like manga or anything. it just looks like uh, i don't know it seems like it can't decide on an art style like the whole way through like storm looks like she's drawn pretty consistently but everyone else seems to be just like all over the place with 
their depiction. Like, I feel like Peter has like two different haircuts in like the three <laughs> panels that he shows up. In. He got his haircut in those three panels. Yeah, you know, I guess Pixie's <laughs> working that magic, huh? But um, God, I don't know. It's just yeah. On the other side, I was uh, just gonna say that I'm. I, I would be more excited about the the arc in general because I like the writing and I like the whole concept. If I just needed an artist change. I will say that I was actually really happy with uh, with Elliot Kalin's uh, writing and like the whole thing with Spider Man and the X Men, uh, where it kind of follows the kind of misfit team that Wolverine was taking care of. Um, oh yeah, Bad Boy, oh. No Girl, Herman Glob, and uh, actually Rockslide is in this fucking comic as well. I don't know how he's in two paces at once, but this this comic with Spidey kind of leading the Wolverine and the X Men team is kind of a little bit more off kilter when it comes to the continuity. But uh, man, I, I gotta say, I love like Spidey having to play like babysitter. <laughs> yeah, Spidey being the teacher is great because in most like circumstances, Spidey is the one that everyone's like, "You're just a kid." Like you're always joking around and goofing off. Yeah. Um. So him having like to be the adult, but the best part too is that all the kids just think he's lame. <laughs> like the whole comic, they just tell him how lame he is, which oh, I think is awesome. Like there's so many times where he like laughs at his own joke, and someone's in the background, they're just like, "Oh my god." <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously. Like, he says, let's go kick some tail, literally. <laughs> oh, I feel like it... Spidey just has a lot of good lines this week. Because yeah. he also has a great one in the new Thor that we'll talk about in a little bit. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, I yeah. screenshot it and put it on, like, Instagram because I could not live, oh, like, just seeing it by myself and not talking to people about it. Spider-Man was just killing it this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess we should go without, uh, we should mention that this this ep- uh, this issue, I have said episode, God. This issue involves them going head-to-head with Sauron and Stegron, who have conspired to turn all of the people of Staten Island into dinosaurs. Um, So, I mean, if you're not reading the comic at that tagline, then, I mean, you clearly just don't enjoy fun at all. And I feel really (laughs) sorry for you. Um, uh, Things that we shouldn't feel sorry about are Jason Aaron's wonderful run of Thor, which Kelsey already mentioned. Um, but Jason Aaron and Russell Dodderman give us Thor um, number four. It was this week, mm-hmm. and we get to Thor kind of Thor. <laughs> yeah, we get to see a bit of kind of what happened to the Odin son after Malekith ripped his arm off and threw Mjolnir in the depths of the ocean. And uh, then, as Kelsey talks, well, we get Thor versus Thor. And man, I can't. It's... I gotta say, this is. Probably my favorite comic of the week. I mean, I hate to say that when we talked about Bitch Planet, but yeah, I think this is my favorite comic this week. Like, God, it was just so good all the way through art, writing. For sure. I had like a three-way tie with favorite comics. It was this one, um, Bitch Planet, and Sex Criminals, which we will also talk about later. But like this, I don't know if... Like, what's going on here? Like, if they just hit their stride with this new Thor or what exactly is happening. But this issue was everything I wanted it to be. Like, aside from, like, Lady Thor's reveal. Like, why did I say that word weird? Anyways, um, aside from the reveal, like, this is everything. Like, even, what reveal? Like, of who she actually is. that hasn't done that yet. But, like, oh, okay. that is, yeah, that aside, like, this is everything I could ever want from this comic. Like, it's just funny, too, like, the entire time. Like, it has moments of being serious. It's well-written. The art is amazing. This art is fucking... This is some next-level shit right here, man. Like, like, Darman, this dude's gonna blow up. I can guarantee it. The the things he's doing are yeah, fucking astounding. 
Yeah, like, I always talk about Fiona Staples being, like, my epitome of, like, art, but, like, that's, this is a different kind altogether. Like, this is, like, beautiful, like, well-rendered, like, superhero art, which I don't see a whole lot personally. Like, I see them do, like, great job, but it's never really, like, something I would, like, hang as, like, an art piece in my home. (laughs) Like, I could pretty much do this for any panel in here. Like, and just the detail is exquisite excruciatingly ridiculous yeah, like and continuing our trend of like wanting to give credit to everyone matthew wilson on the colors does a fantastic oh, job God, so of good putting a palette to the page because like he does a great job i mean admittedly the red cape and the blue like frost giants create this wonderful like juxtaposition within the page and he uses that to such a great degree like you can just tell a sense of motion from like how much blue is or isn't in the page and what else is going on like ah uh, it's it's For so real good. so like time you... you incorporate onomatopoeia into your panels like <laughs> you are my fucking hero like i love like it's such a simple panel but when uh she flies up into the sky and it just says like swoom like under her like it's coming out from under her though onto the hero standing under her like yeah i love that panel by itself yeah all of these are just fucking amazing like we can talk about the art forever on here but story that happens that we're like we're recognizing like artists a lot more because i feel like they get shoved under the bus yeah for sure but these like especially with thor like they just kind of make it too but there are so many good like panels and lines in this entire thing and like we said before it's thor versus thor so they fucking battle and thor's got this sweet ass like metal arm (laughs) i always worry too with like i get so tired of like oh the hero has to battle a hero that's like such a customary comic book like first five issue sort of deal um but jason aaron handled handled it brilliantly by base basically making it that thor is just like being a little child and he's like, I want my toy back. Bitch. My, one of my favorite things that I've ever seen in my entire life is when Lady Thor is trying to, like, she talk some to sense into him. down? Yeah. She's like, listen, we need to fight these frost giants right now and worry about our friends. We're all encapsulated in ice. So we'll st- talk about me being the new Thor leader. And he's like, no, never. Blah, 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 whatever. Just kind of goes off. And she taps him with Mjolnir on the chest and says, calm myself down. <laughs> I've literally... I laughed so hard out loud in public and it was worth it. The combination of calm thyself down and the next panel of Thor's eyes with you dare. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like it's Uh, just so like There's like six or seven moments like that within this book. So yeah. One of my, one of my absolute favorite things is I think, after they finish fighting, he figures, or he asks Lady Thor, and he's trying to tell her, like, well, okay, I get it. Like, Thor's chosen you. You are worthy. I am not anymore. Um, I've never seen... Okay, first of all, though, he has a thing where he actually says, in all our years together, in all our many battles, you never flew like that for me. And all I could think of was just, like, some dude looking at, like, his ex with her new guy and just like... She never did that with me. <laughs> it's just like the saddest. He's heartbroken, man. That's I know. His best I get friend. it. I get it, but it's still hilarious. And then, especially because he's like, well, my mom's missing and you're a new lady, Thor. 
are you my mom? And then literally the next panel is her like sticking her tongue down his throat and then says, still think I'm your mother. His eyes are just like the wild and just ridiculous. He just says, I certainly hope not. (laughs) This is literally the greatest. Like I can't even with this. It's just so, so good. Um, But I'm still going to say my favorite line of the entire episode and when I met her episode, I fucking said it too. Um, (laughs) The issue is um, after the fight, after they free all their friends from like the icebox and everything like that, everybody realizes like, oh, hey, there's a lady Thor. Like, what is she doing here? Who is this? All that kind of good stuff. And then they're all kind of like asking about her after she flies off in the sunset. And then you see fucking Spider-Man being Spider-Man. <laughs> like, I can't. Oh, my God. It's, um, uh, does she have a superhero name yet? Please tell me it's Thunder Woman or Thorita or Lady Hammerpants. So let's just please stick with Lady Hammerpants forever because it's yeah. the greatest thing. I forever. It's the greatest. In that moment, I was just like cackling. <laughs> it was so good. I just love so much of this issue. This issue is amazing and it's so well done in every single aspect. It just keeps me like I'm pumped pretty, pretty continually for Lady Thor. And I this just has not changed it at all. This just ups the stakes. Yeah, I mean, I got to say the 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 telling thing for me is I remember at the beginning at one us being like, I wonder how long they'll keep us on the hook with the mystery of who she is. Well, pfft fuck that we're already sold like i'm buying this book until it ends like until these three creators get off this book i'm gonna be continuing to purchase the thor comic so for real like there's no question that it's definitely um <laughs> time they can literally never reveal who she is i don't care anymore i don't fucking yeah, care I, like i don't even care who she is she's awesome yeah she's the best so there it is <laughs> All right, so we also had uh, a new number one that uh, came out this week, and that is from everyone's favorite uh, Axis writer, Rick Remender. Uh, He has Daniel Acuna on the art for Uncanny Avengers number one, which is assembling an uncanny team of Avengers, which now includes Sabretooth, because he is still switched back. And Brother Voodoo. Yes, yeah. and Brother Voodoo is also. So the part. full roster is actually Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Rogue, Captain America slash Falcon, Doctor Voodoo, um, the Vision, and Sabretooth. And it's, I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty fucking cool. And every time I see this outfit of Rogues, it just makes me so happy. I fucking love this costume. Oh, with like the with like the hood on there and stuff. Yes, I just want a cosplayer all the time. Like I would live in that outfit. But I have also just like a diehard Rogue fan, as we've already discussed. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like excited for this comic. I like all the characters and I, I like throwing the inverted saber tooth and brother Rudu needs to show up and everything. And, mm-hmm. um, vision. I like, I actually like that wonder one wonder man is in vision because that's kind of how vision started in the sixties yep. or seventies. Um, so I'm like on board with everything except that it's all about fucking Magneto not being their dad anymore and I just don't give a shit about that. Yeah, the entire Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch like storyline that's kind of like the B-plot on this one is just about like them trying to figure out who their real father is now which is... And I'm like, oh cool, we get to go to yeah. fucking Mount Wondegore, bullshit high evolutionary <laughs> with a stupid 
pink mohawk. Yeah. God, High, High Evolutionary hasn't been like a relevant character since the 70s. You know why? Because everyone in the 70s was like, <laughs> wow, this guy's really fucking boring. We probably shouldn't <laughs> write him as a villain anymore. And yet. <laughs> um, but so the team all goes there to try to find Wanda and like snip it in the bud, so to speak. But then they all kind of get fucked over <laughs> because I forgot what I was going to say right now. <laughs> Probably something about how, I don't know, you didn't like something about Rogue. Um, let's rephrase because I fucking love Rogue. I just hate what they did to her. So they're on the process of like kind of like teleporting, I want to say. It's like the closest thing I can think of to describe that. Teleporting all over to one place together, but instead they get attacked and it interrupts like the spell thing. And so they all end up in super different spaces with super dire consequences for pretty much all of them. Except for the Vision who's just kind of like walking through and like, oh, hey, look, there's this weird alien chick who wants to fuck. But literally everybody else is kind of like in a dangerous place. The reason I got upset about this issue is because I love Rogue, as we've discussed like 300 times already in this episode. But she's my fucking girl and I'm really not a huge fan of the trope of having like the empowered woman get all of her like power taken away from her and subverted and being like pinned down into like a victim position which i get like happens with um characters regardless of the gender or anything like that but it happens significantly more often with the women of the marvel universe which is like this scene in particular like i don't know who this like weird baddie is yet like i don't know if he has a name i didn't recognize him in his weird fancy hat oh his name uh, is a uh, shitty wonder villain <laughs> thank you that's uh that's on wikipedia thanks good looking out but the panel goes like you see rogue she's clearly like knocked out or drugged or some kind of something and then she's being fed by this weird dude who i haven't I don't recognize. And he just says, there, there, that's a good girl. And then, like, despite her, like, trying to say, like, where the hell am I? I can't move. What's going on? He says, calm your body, sweet bean. And then continues just to, like, I don't know, take away her entire agency. And it's so weird because, like, she's literally paralyzed, can't move or do anything. And he's got, like, this weird, like, sexual predator vibe. And then she's just, like, kind of being held against her will while he's, like, kind of experimenting on her. Like, he tells her that he has um, reversed her ions or some weird, like, science that probably doesn't work out like that. Um <laughs> Yeah, to make her a yeah, yeah. So she, and that was my bad. She had Wonder Man put in yeah, her, and he ended he up were, telling her he take yeah. he took him out. Yeah, he took out Simon Williams' consciousness out of her using her ionic energies that he was composed of, and he's like touching her and like being weird about it and it's just super uncomfortable it reminds me of the story arc like a long 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 time ago like back in the claremont run? i don't know that's for sure so don't quote me but um back Probably in wrote x-men for like 80 years is 19 years i think but back in i want to say it was claremont's run when um carol danvers got her powers taken away from her i think it was slightly before that when yeah, or it was binary, before she became right? binary. It's because she got impregnated by one of, like, the weird... I don't remember his name off the top of my head. But, like, some, like, weird fucking villain guy. And she gave birth to that guy, even though the term was only, like, a day or something. Because he just, like, cloned... He impregnated her with himself. So he, like, transport somewhere. Yeah. But then how everybody just kind of, like, brushed it off. And was like, oh, that's cool. And, like, Beast, was, like, told her, like, I'll be its teddy bear. And stuff like that. And, like, everybody just didn't take it seriously. That she was just, like, 
bodily violated and like all that kind of stuff. And this is exactly like a total throwback to that for me. And it makes me really fucking comfortable. And I do not like it because she's just like pinned down and has no way to move anything. And that's just like gives me like the same weird like PTSD flashback that Carol Danvers had because she realized that nobody took her seriously when she was going through this terrible fucking thing. And I feel like it's going to be much of the same here. And you can just see the fucking like fear in Rogue. And even though she's like a fictional character, I'm like super worried and I don't want to I don't want to wait. I just want her to be okay. Why are you worried about Sam Wilson? He just got turned into a tree. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I, it looks like Sam Wilson's. When they turn that guy next to him into a tree, is like Groot? <laughs> are they crossing this over now too? Like his face is very similar. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. he has a tree face. Right? <laughs> I so guess. Yeah. You're not wrong. But yeah. Point being, I was kind of disappointed. Like I like the team. Of like the composition of the team, I just don't like how that went down with that particular event. It makes me feel really weird. <laughs> That's it. He's a creepy dude. Uh, yeah. Um, kind of creepy no, wait, dudes. Wait, uh, don't transition yet. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Please. Talk, no, I wasn't going to talk about, about X Men. I did enjoy the issue. Um, but oh, or okay, the Avengers. I know you guys want to go off on sex criminals. So before you do. I just want to briefly say, um, DC this week, uh, Arkham Manor, uh, Gotham Academy, and Batman number thirty-eight are all awesome. Um, like the what? like as far as DC goes, like Batman's just killing it from every angle. Um, Arkham Manor, uh, which had the dumbest sounding plotline I've ever heard of, which is that Arkham Asylum breaks and then Batman gives over the Wayne Mansion to become the new Arkham, but he ends up using it so that he can infiltrate like Arkham and figure out kind of like psychologically like profile everyone in Arkham because it's his house, so he can just do whatever he wants and it's right above yeah. the Batcave, so there's there's literally no safer place for it to be, and it has ended up being really awesome. And Batman is still being done by Scott Snyder, and there was a huge twist at the end because basically, basically uh, Joker's back, and he dropped Joker gas like over all of Gotham, and uh, even like Commissioner Gordon got infected. And at the end of the issue, Batman ends up going to ask the Court of Owls for help. Which, if you follow like the Batman storylines at all, they're this really like mysterious, like conniving secret society that exists in Gotham and has been controlling. Uh, Gotham since like the 1800s and tried to get Batman like absorbed into it and he denied them so he actually goes to them for help um, but really like the main like shining star for DC is Gotham Academy if you guys aren't reading it you really really need to be it's Becky Cloonan and Brendan Fletcher and art by Carl uh, Kershaw and it's just this amazing comic that doesn't really fit into the DC universe anywhere because it uh, also is supposed to be like at the Wayne Manor and it's an academy and it's not for like superheroes or anything it's just for like smart preppy kids at this academy that is at Wayne Mansion Um, but Cloonan and Fletcher do such a great job with the fandom it's ridiculous they've brought back characters that haven't showed up forever like they brought back a, a character who was just like a super subpar villain in the like 50s or 60s named bookworm um, but the real big one for me is the drama teacher of gotham academy is uh mr trent which is a callback to batman the animated series <laughs> um the episode where you discover that like bruce used to watch a tv serial called the gray ghost 
Yes. And, yeah, and they literally like made that callback. And the whole thing is just about them like being at this academy and being friends. So it's got like the teen drama angle, which we all know I love. Um, and it's also got like this romance angle, but it also has like there's this like crazy stuff going on inside the mansion, and that it ends with her. I'm pretty sure finding out that Solomon Grundy is living in the basement. Yes, that's. I mean, I can't expect that to be anyone else. He's got manacles on that are broken, and he definitely looks like Grundy. Yeah. So, um, I I mean, just please go read this comic. I really there is not a lot at DC I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Do not get this canceled for me, readers. Just go. It's glorious. Just don't don't be dumb and go like, oh, I'm not a girl. I'm not 15. I'm not going to read this. Like, just sit there and enjoy it for what it is. And it's just a uh, beautiful, wonderful thing that this can exist in the DC universe. That they took something that is as dark and dire as Batman and turned it into a teen dramedy. That, for me, is just the best thing that's all of my dreams come true. So, yeah, Mr. Trent, I do have some experience playing a ghost, you know. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. It's, it's just a great comic. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about when we were talking about Amazing X-Men and how we didn't like how, like, disjointed the art feels. God, the art just feels so fluid and focused in this comic. Like, even, like, Grundy looks, like, heavy, overbearing, slow, you know, like the the things that they've drawn in this comic are just i don't know they they do a fantastic job so like ryan said make sure you go out and get um gotham academy and i know you guys are going to talk about sex criminals for 15 minutes now so (laughs) go my love actually the thing that i wanted to discuss before actually got to sex criminals was something but we got all like switch around and i dropped something was it they're not like us Yes, that's exactly what it was, actually. I got you. <laughs> uh, was They're Not Like Us, which was the second issue of this image series. We talked to it, We talked about it <clears throat> earlier in the cast um, with issue one, and it kind of having the feeling of X-Men, you know, that it was people with weird, interesting abilities. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, what, what did you guys uh, think of, uh, of They're Not Like Us this week? Ryan, Kelsey? I, um, I fucking hated it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Um, I'm probably in the minority here. Um, I love the art still. Um, I definitely like last week or not last week, but like for the first issue came out, we did make kind of like a allusion to like it being similar to X-Men in some way. But we like this issue definitely changed all of that for me. Like I just didn't. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of like pointless, like ultra violence, like without context. And like, granted, it's super early in the series, so it totally could have more to do with it. But like, basically, this group of like, um, I don't know what to call them, like telepathic kids, basically, because um, they all have like varying powers of that same theme. But all of these like kids who are put together in this house, like they basically go around San Francisco and beat the shit out of people for like no reason. And like they talked, they were explaining it to Sid, who's like their like new intro to the group. Um, like, oh, but people used to make fun of us and, blah, blah, blah. and like they deserved to get their ass kicked. And this guy had a pair of headphones we liked and we did it strategically because we don't need any more attention. But like, so that's not like, I don't think that's like a valid reason. Like, I don't buy it. Like, and I think it's fucking bullshit and I'm just not super into it. So 
I don't know, like all the reasons that they put forth are just like super flimsy to me. Like I usually like love everything that image does, but this one I'm just not about right now. Um, I don't know. I'm not into it. I'm going to need more to see. I don't necessarily think they're heroes. Yeah, they're definitely not not. at all. So yeah. And I'm fine with anti-heroes, but like, like I said, just like excessive ultra violence. It's like fucking clockwork orange society going on over here. And that's just clockwork orange gives you context for it because they're trying to make like some kind of statement about it. This one just seems like they're just doing it just to be gratuitous so far. So like I could be totally wrong and it could totally, totally have a point. Cause again, this is only issue two, but from what I'm seeing right now, like I don't know, I don't know. I'm not into it. It, it definitely seems to have changed the tone from the first. Um, yeah. And you know, Maybe the maybe this will be like a really interesting series that you know moves toward you know a very cool place when it comes to you know talking about these villains and stuff. I mean, we've seen some really well developed characters that have been great, but I think this comic to me reads more like exposition than development to some degree. Although there is some of that in there as well. I don't know, Ryan. What did you think? I don't know. It's uh, I will definitely have to. It's one of those things that I'm gonna have to see how it plays out more because it's like Kelsey said, like the first issue I totally dug, and then this one I agree with her. It's like excessive ultra violence, and it's just like, oh, these guys are just douchebags. Like, and they have powers, and they're being douchebags. And I get that. That's like a storyline. Like, oh, you know, not everyone in society, if like superpowers are real, everyone wouldn't just be like a do good or a supervillain. Like, some people would just use it for like personal gain. And I get that. Like that story's been told. I've seen it. Um, and it can be told more interestingly than it's being done here. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like we'll see what happens. I'm getting a really bad like last decade uh, Garth Ennis vibe from it. Like because Garth. I, I mean, I even said in the first issue, like the kind of like reminded me of Preacher a little bit. <laughs> um, and I love Preacher. I think it's an amazing comic. But I think Garth Ennis went on to do a lot of things that I wasn't a fan of because it was excessive ultra violence for the sake of just like ultra violence. And that's kind of the vibe I'm getting right now. I'm not, but I could also I could 100% like 100% see it like turning around and like turning into something else. So I just. I'm going to need like more time with it. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm going to keep an open mind and I'm still going to keep reading it for like a while at least. But right now I'm just not, it looks kind of grim, honestly. And like, I get the idea of like super gruff, like reluctant fucking people with powers. I get that a hundred percent, but it's just not as of this issue. It's just not being done well. And it does feel like it's like a full 180 from like the first issue. Yeah. I mean, uh, speaking of hyper-violent comics that Image publishes, I will say that Zero, I don't know, have any of you guys been reading that? No. It is pretty hyper-violent. Like, I, I kind of stumbled upon it this week, and after flipping through the issues, there's a, like, I want to say almost, like, 10, 12-page sequence with almost no text in it, just, like, two dudes brawling it out. Um, I don't know, like, it just felt very, like, the right kind of visceral, whereas, like, they're not, like, us kind of felt unnecessary. Like, I don't know, this there's not much development in this issue, so I'm going to have to personally go back and read, like, the last, like, 13 issues of this comic, but I'm going to take a peek at it just because the um the art really kind of grabbed me so and yeah and the last thing image comics put out this week that we need we want to talk about was none other than uh sex criminals number 10 uh matt fraction ships of dark uh. they are currently resolving a plot arc with 
them finding another person who also has the same abilities as them. Jasmine St. Cocaine! Yes. (laughs) The greatest Uh, name ever. Yeah, I think it's Dr. Anakin Kate now or something. But, like, her porn name was Jasmine St. Cocaine, which is still my favorite. And in true Fraction and Zdarsky fashion, fashion, everything is fucking perfect. (laughs) That's basically all that happens. Like, every episode, or... God, I said it again! Andy! I'm sorry, it's your my fault. fault. I love TV too much. <laughs> Me too. It's fine. Every issue that they put forth just has so many fucking gems. Like, it's impossible not to just, like, smile when you're reading this. Like, I picked up, like, new, like, moves to do when I was reading this issue. Like, it's so stupid. But they also, like, in this issue, they build up a lot of the background characters, like, the supporting characters, which is Robert Rainbow and then, um... Susie's like roommate slash bestie. I want to say her name's Rachel. I don't actually remember. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I feel like it's Rach. I feel like I'm right. Like, whatever. True. Point being, there is a scene where she and Robert Rainbow are in a bookstore called Porns and Noble, I might add, where all the books are like sex related because there are sections like Paranormal and Science Diction and Breast Sellers. <laughs> like, Self. Help in quotation marks. Rule 34 Shades of Grey. Erotic legal thrillers. Mantasy. And gardening. (laughs) Gardening. And there's definitely a section for Wicked and the Divine slash fic. (laughs) Which is another great throwback to them. But I'm just going to call her Rachel because I'm pretty sure that's her name. There's a part where she's asking Robert Rainbow like, Hey, why are you an OBGYN? Like, do you just super love pussy? Like, what's happening? And he's just of course goes into like i just love delivering babies because i used to work in like a child oncology wing and that was super depressing so i love bringing life into it instead it's all love and then her reaction is lifting up the front of her dress in public and saying put your baby in me right now (laughs) and his reaction is just perfect and so that's my new starting move when i meet guys i'm just gonna be like hey so you said something i like here look at my underwear and put your baby in me (laughs) And I will That's say that they also use it to pivot onto a hilarious uh, talk about uh, dick pics, which is something that oh needs my God, to be it's so good. lampooned. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, everybody needs to read page number 13 of this issue, Sex Criminals, because it's perfect. It literally describes the female online dating experience to a goddamn T. And I'm sorry to say it, but it's real. It's so real. To entice you, in case you're not already into it, there is definitely a guy who takes a picture of his dick with a tiny top hat on it. So, <laughs> I did read the comic, even though I'm not 100% caught up. And I was like, okay, I need to read it just so I can be like on par with the guys this week. And even just the little moment where he, she's like, how did it go? And he's like, oh, it was great. I won therapy. Like that <laughs> moment right there for me. Oh I was gosh. just like, yes, that's amazing. <laughs> such good writing. Yeah, because John is in therapy now to try to sort out his depression and see if there's anything he can do about it. And that is one of the better moments of it. Yeah. <laughs> And I love that she's, like, before he's trying to have, like, this serious conversation with her, she's literally just, like, eating, like, a bag of thick chicken, is what it's called. And she's just like, oh, this is so good, I want inside me. He's like, um, and he's trying, just, clearly just trying to talk to her. And after he has the I want therapy moment, he's like, oh, but it's hard. And they have, like, a serious minute. And then she just kind of looks at him, he looks at her, and she just sticks another thing of chicken in her mouth. <laughs> 
And I gotta like, say that they also somehow like coordinate a three-way simultaneous orgasm. Yeah, with Jasmine St. Cocaine. Like they all meet up in a motel room and Suze and John are on one side and then Jasmine St. Cocaine's on the other side and they're just, haven't really gone to what they're gonna do, but they're definitely gonna try to stop um the sex police in some form or another. Also, John is wearing my favorite clothing item, which is just a white t-shirt that says shirt. And they're staying in the no murdering hotel, which is says on the um, vacancy board that there have been no murders since 2014. <laughs> and uh, if you notice, uh, the uh, motel owner is actually like updating the board, I think, as well. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> he's putting the five on there instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just I love it. Although this arc did give me a little bit of like worry because. Obviously, Jasmine St. Cocaine is one of, like, John's, like, childhood porn, like, idols. He's been, like, quote-unquote, like, in love with her as much as you can be with an actress you've only seen, like, ejaculate on screen. Um, But you clearly see him, like, thinking about her a lot, like, during their fucking and everything like that, even though he's trying to tell Susie he loves her. Like, it's gonna get real muddled and makes me think that there's gonna be bad times ahead. (laughs) It worries me a lot. (laughs) I mean, I think... I think there's definitely what some might perceive as some bad times ahead, but I think, you know, the the fraction of Zdarsky, they'll handle it in stride, so. I hope so. I really hope so, because if they, like, break up again, I'm really upset, because they're my everything. I love sex criminals. Yeah, well, I mean, I will also say that in uh, the back of the book, uh, Chip Zdarsky illustrates on, I think this is page 27, 28, maybe, His new sex toy called the Manatees, which is a three-headed dildo with the ends shaped like manatees. That's a thing that's <laughs> drawn inside this comic. Uh, God, I just don't even want any part of that. <laughs> just its existence. It's Chip Zdarsky at its finest. Uh, this is such a weird thing, but like, I just love everything about Six Criminals all the time. Like covers, stories, art, writing, everything. But... One of the greatest things about this particular issue for me was the back cover because it always just says the for mature readers, duh, like that's always like they're given. But below it, obviously, it changes all the time. And this week's one is, but more importantly, it's for readers who have 350 because this ain't a library. (laughs) And that was everything to me. So obviously we love Fraction. We love Zdarsky. We love Sex Criminals. Please, please, please. Always and forever. Yeah, please just be caught up on it and read all of it because it's amazing. Yeah. And go read Casanova by Matt Fraction and uh, Fabio Moon because it's also glorious. Yeah, you stole the words right out of my mouth. Casanova, Sadia. It's, I just uh, came out with the um, issue one this yes. week too. Um, and Casanova was very good. We talked about it in an earlier cast. Fabio Moon, most famous for Day Tripper, a comic that is just gorgeous and wonderful. Um, and it has a backup written by Michael Chabon, who did yes! uh, and Clay, which is yes. one of the most amazing books ever written. And it's the art is by Gabriel Ba, who did the art for Umbrella Academy, which I have tattooed to my fucking body. So, yes, go. Ryan's literally it. just saying everything that we want to say. <laughs> yep, pretty much. I mean. The the end result is that Image Comics is a wonderful, vibrant comic creation engine that we love. Yes. <laughs> I almost want to – what was it? There's something that like the – in Science Sleuth in Jill Trent that the <laughs> robot says to the – what is it? Oh, my gosh. I have to find it now because I got to say it. Uh, <laughs> scans indicate you are radiant and physically ideal. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest. You oh, pick a line. Oh, gosh. <laughs> 
I don't think the robot voice will do well for me, but uh, but yeah. So I think that is the end of the cat. This cast, uh, this one went a little bit We've longer. Been so for so long. Uh, my apologies. Yeah. There were just so many news stories that we need to talk about this week, and then we really had like a giant batch of comics that we loved, and of course there were some diffraction things in there, which we got a little carried away talking about. But you know, <laughs> they're wonderful. So. Um, read those wonderful comics uh, next week we will have a whole nother cast for you guys and uh, we will get a chance to you know tell you about some wonderful news from the week as well as take a peek at next week's comics uh, I know we mentioned it beforehand but we've got some really big stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, next week we get new saga the week after that we're going to end up getting new secret six from Fucking none other than Gail Simone <sighs> so god if there is some really good comics coming our ways please stay tuned to the cast lastly thank you guys so much for listening to the show and uh, until next time enjoy your comics to hear more of two guys a girl in a comic book podcast or to share your thoughts and comic recommendations Follow us on Twitter at 2G1G Talk Comics. That's the number 2G, the number 1G Talk Comics. Or if you'd like to email the show directly, you can do so at Two Guys and a Girl Talk Comics at gmail.com. All letters this time. As always, you can find more episodes of the show by visiting our Podbean at Two Guys and a Girl Talk Comics.podbean.com. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time.